This Ask an Expert conversation is brought to you by Henley Business Radio. Welcome to Henley Business Radio. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's so good to be with you. An absolute pleasure, in fact. And today, during this Ask an Expert feature, we are going to be talking to Raldun now. I'll ask him to introduce himself in just a moment, but let me frame this conversation a little bit. And Raldun, maybe you want to help me do that. You had a very interesting conversation with John Foster Pedley, who's the dean here at Henley Business School the other day. That was all about interrogating sustainability. Today's a little bit of a different conversation around business cases. Before we get into that, just introduce who you are and what you do, please. Absolutely, Gareth. Thanks for having me back on the show. I was wondering whether you guys would do that again. <laughs> uh, the conversation of John and yourself was certainly very uh, enlightening. I think what it allows us to actually unpack the, the whole notion of sustainability, and it did come back to the thinking that is out there in terms of triple bottom line, uh, and the fact that you do need to look at things more holistically. There was a little bit of back and forth because he, he even said in the conversation he couldn't get his arms around this beast that is sustainability. And I think that's why we're having this follow-up conversation. Absolutely. I think that that reaction is, is normal for any leader. And, I mean, we, we sometimes have the same experience if you're starting to deal with a new industry mm. uh, that is looking at sustainability and sustainable business performance. Really at the core of sustainability, it's just looking at running a better business, really internalizing all aspects of business, you know, mm. not ignoring environmental or social elements, but really just bringing it into your business strategy and also uh, into the culture of your organization. Okay, so before we go into that, because it's sounding right to me already, tell our listeners who you are, just give a, a background, and then also I know there's an association that you've just started as well, which Henley is a part of, please. Certainly. Um, uh, again, not to go into too much detail, uh, Raldu is my name. I represent uh, an organization called Blank Canvas International. You're the CEO there. Uh, I'm the CEO of the business, really uh, just leading the implementation side of the team. Our focus is really to apply innovation for sustainability. And again, if you want to break that up, it's applying innovation for growth. It's applying innovation for differentiation and then also for sustainable development. Okay. So the minute we say uh, for sustainability or sustainable development, innovation is not just internally focused, it's also externally focused. Mm. So our essence is to really understand all the different stakeholders that are around your business when we're applying innovation. Okay, so that's Blank Canvas International and then the African Sustainable Development Association. Yes, so the African Sustainable Development uh, Association or the ASDA in short, is a network that is really intended to drive sustainable development uh, into Africa. It is very much aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and mm. also the, the strategy of NEPAD for the vision of 2063 for Africa. Essentially, our focus is green and inclusive growth, and, and again, we are driving it from a business perspective. So it means working with uh, different businesses across different industries and then understanding the role of business in the value chains that they're representing, but considering certainly the entire value chain from a demand side all the way through to actually fulfilling that demand. So I don't want us to go too much into the detail of what sustainability is in this conversation. I think we've done that. I think John did that a fair bit. And you gave some really good clarity on that in the last conversation. So if anyone who's listening wants to hear a little bit more and really have their idea or definition of sustainability either changed, evolved, or defined, then it's in that conversation. Here we, today we're talking about the business case for sustainability. Talk to us about this conversation that you keep on coming up against and how it then evolves into what is the business case. It's important to say what, what is a sustainable business in the context of trying to frame what is the business case for sustainability. Mm. 
So a sustainable business is a business that is economically sound uh, and active. Sure. Uh, but it's also a business that understands the, the role that it is playing, uh, impacting other positively or negatively uh, with regards to the environment as well as to, to the broader community. Mm. So the notion of triple bottom line is, is something that has been around for many years, and everybody at a senior leadership really understand what that means. There is a new way of looking at sustainable business performance, and something that is quite helpful is the new six capitals model. Okay. The six capitals model builds on the initial triple bottom line model, so I know I'm referencing two models, and mm. then I'll, I'll keep it very short. The essence of the six capital model is to really start looking broader uh, and, and, and start expanding on your business because your business is not just about being economically active in a value chain. It's also understanding what your capacity is and certainly whether your capacity is making a use of the latest technology and is as efficient and effective as you could be in your value chain. It looks at aspects around your human capital, you know, whether your workforce is actually geared for the future, it does understand and internalizes the society or the community that is adjacent to your business or the different areas that you operate in. And from an environmental perspective, it also shows you both opportunities and risks. Okay, Raldi, so an example of what you're describing is what was mentioned in the previous conversation with John, the, the What's Training conversation, where he spoke about McDonald's. But it's all about efficiency for them. It's not necessarily a fluffy thing all the time, which is often what leaders, when they hear sustainability or green development or going green, people just think tree huggers and, and, and. Gareth, uh, sustainability is certainly a very hardcore business. A good example, if you're trying to quantify what is the value to business in terms of uh, having a sustainable business performance strategy and, mm -hmm. and, and certainly driving sustainability. By means of just starting to measure your energy consumption, your carbon footprint, what is your impact in terms of environmental community and in the broader sense, there's normally a 10 to 15% efficiency improvement. And, and again, that efficiency improvement is directly correlated to cost saving and also to the throughput or the additional production that you, you could be producing. So at least 10 to 15% by just putting sustainability center stage in your organization. So pretty hardcore numbers there. I want to expand to that because there's a difference between an existing operation, which is called a brownfields operation, or a greenfields operation. Okay. So a brownfields operation is where you have an existing business running, and you do need to make it more efficient. So there, in most cases, you would be applying continuous improvement, mm -hmm. and you would be bringing in new technology. But again, the business case for those needs to be very well framed. So sure. bringing in clean production technology before and once you're doing upgrades or maintenance, you need to carefully consider are you keeping with the current technology or are you bringing something in that will be step-changing your business? Mm -hmm. And the reason you want to do that is to increase your competitiveness. You want to increase your, uh, your production throughput efficiency. You certainly want to make sure that you are producing things in the, in the best possible way. And that's just better business. You see, and uh, this is a conversation I can really have then if I'm a leader of a business. If you come to me and you say, look, let's make you more efficient. I'm going to give you 15% better efficiency, but we also want you to just do it in this way. I think that's, that's a much more reasonable conversation to be having than, guys, we need to go green. We need to look after our environment, triple bottom line. If we can frame it differently, I mean, and I think everyone is concerned about it. Everyone wants to be sustainable. But sometimes we just get caught up in our own world, which is very much a bottom line focused world. But you're saying, yes, be that. But then guess what? You can also have the other two lines in the triple bottom line while you're doing it. Correct. So a practical way of actually introducing sustainability into your organization is to do a rapid review. Now, you can do this review yourself. 
literally just looking at your business through different lenses. So, and, and again, the lenses that you'll be using is looking at opportunities or, or risks in a process with your leadership team. But instead of just looking financially at your value chain, really start looking at other elements. So a very good example is the risk of water and water consumption. So it's always a consideration if you're in a, in a production environment. We are aware of a number of organizations currently that have actually got a detrimental risk in terms of water where they need to shut down plants, shut down operation, and then start on the back foot actually applying innovation to solve the water consumption challenges. And such an interesting way to come at it because some people would have said, ah, water, water will always be there. It's always been in the taps, but actually, no, it isn't. And you can have entire operations shut down just because of a lack of water. I mean, mining companies use tons of water underground, and if that water isn't there, it's hundreds of production hours, man hours that are lost. Absolutely. So just building on that, uh, I think existing business can really look at, uh, you know, how are they interacting with, for example, water or scarce natural resources, Mm. and then look at, for example, just changing the processes to be closed loop and also to do water treatment. Mm. So I must add that many of the mining companies that you're referencing, they're already doing that, which is very inspiring. We are finding that a lot of manufacturing companies are not there yet. So the example that I've mentioned specifically is is a manufacturing company. So in the case of brownfield operations, a rapid sustainability review is certainly something that we would recommend. In the case of building a new operation or or, or launching a a new project, it is uh, really critical that you don't just look at environmental and social elements from a compliance perspective. It's not just getting that license to operate. Mm. It's really coming up with a holistic design of your future operation or your future business that needs to be a sustainable business and needs to be relevant in the year 2030. Mm. So if you understand that your consumers in 2030 would be looking very differently at the products that you are supplying, They would want to have a complete visibility of your supply chain, and they would want to know which technologies you're using. They would want to know what is your impact in terms of the environment, community, are you creating jobs, are you creating skills? So it's a different ballgame, and and that's really the opportunity on a Greenfields project. Mm. What you're talking about now, we spoke about in the previous conversation, which was this idea of of labeling on products, the the consumer behavior that we referenced then. And it is this idea of transparency throughout a value chain, as you've mentioned. And there is a business case there as well. There's potential competitive advantage to have in that space, which again goes to the business case. It's not just about what you can do at a point of manufacturing. It's also all the way through. Absolutely. So uh, just uh, again, if you're looking at large capital projects, there was a recent study done. And what the study showed is that less than a third of projects, and this is a study that was done in the resources industry, actually were delivered on schedule. So Mm -hmm. again, it's normally on schedule and on budget. And the reasons for uh, delay were were all non-technical. So it's not just about is there demand for a product and technically can we mine and can we do the production. Mm. It's also understanding what are the aspects around environmental and social. And these elements are causing serious delays on projects and, again, amounting to big losses, financial losses, and and really reducing the value of that project. And uh, what we're finding is that if a project of this nature is well planned uh, in a holistic way, And if you are providing a very different brief to the engineering team, so instead of saying use proven technology, use new technology, Mm. really design the future business, you know, that is optimal. So you're designing a business that will be sustainable in the year 2030 because you are meeting all of those higher 
demands in terms of sustainability, environmental, social, biodiversity, and so on, you actually have a better project and business from day one. Mm. So the, 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 the leapfrogging opportunity here is with greenfields uh, operations and new projects. The brownfields operations are certainly operations that could be optimized. Now, again, coming back to brownfields operations there for a minute, the rapid review allows you to confirm your Pareto. So, again, you know, is, is, is the Pareto of your impact environmentally around energy? Mm. Is it around water? Is the Pareto of your impact that you could be making in the social space? And, again, understanding where you should be focusing as a team, the question then comes, do you have known solutions that you can just implement provided the business cases are well-framed, or do you need to start applying innovation? And with innovation, we're not just referring to a product and process innovation. We're also starting to look at business model innovation. Mm. So many times you need to bring community into your business as co-owners to be able to actually achieve some of these objectives. Let's go to one of those other elements on the triple bottom line. We spoke about entrepreneurship. We've spoken about community development. There's a social aspect to all of this. And, of course, companies are now legislated to use certain people as suppliers, and there's all the ESD spend that goes into that. How do we make that more efficient? That's also part of what we're talking about here. Absolutely it is. From a governmental perspective, uh, the government is really encouraging corporate business to, to do enterprise and supplier development and then to have impactful CSI spend. Mm. We are finding that many companies are certainly compliant uh, in terms of CSI uh, spend. They're 3 or 4% of net profit after tax and certainly are doing enterprise and supply development, but not at the benefit of their own organization. Mm. So uh, there is a recent uh, initiative by the government, which is a Section 12J venture capital uh, structure. I'm going to jump in here very quickly. Sure. We had a conversation with Etienne Lowe, a senior tax advisor from Mazars, a couple of weeks ago. That's one of the podcasts that people can listen to specifically about Section 12J, 12J. venture capital companies. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go Wonderful. On. But that really just shows that uh, it is a hot opportunity that is out there. Mm. And what it really allows corporates to do is to take some of the CSI and ESD spend and then through a venture capital fund actually get scale to the projects and to the community development that they can uh, achieve. Which is a safer bet. It, it, it's a safer bet, because but, but not, not only a safer bet, it's also allowing for you to really do impactful uh, enterprise and supply development for your value chain. Well, the reason I say it's a safer bet is because you're giving that money or you're putting that money into a fund, which is then managed by individuals or an investment board that are there to make a profit. Yes, and, and, and that profit is again shared, yeah. so that's your return on your CSI uh, spent. Yeah, exactly. So there really is a great opportunity there. And again, talking business case, that, that's a sound business case. So instead of seeing compliance as a, as a cost or mm -hmm. an expenditure, yeah. you are getting a return on your investment. Exactly. So it's a very different discussion, especially if you can get further, I would say, re return on your investment by developing enterprises that are actually supplying your organization exactly. in a sustainable manner. Exactly. So it's not just about a return on investment, a direct monetary return on investment. It's also about having the right kind of suppliers pulled into your supply chain who are able to then scale. And then suddenly a rising tide lifts all ships. And that's really then the power of, of this idea of rolling out a strategy that is sustainable in heart and in mind. So, in other words, doing good, but doing good intelligently. And I think that's what you're referring a to. Here. Absolutely. And, and another potential opportunity is certainly near sourcing. Mm. So, instead of sourcing things from your current suppliers, which might be international, even remote, 
you might be in a position now to produce things locally. So mm. through a Section 12J fund, you might be able to put up a factory producing your napkins at source of your distribution center. Mm. So in other words, you are doing enterprise and supply development. You're getting certainly much more efficiency in terms of quality. You're de-risking your, your supply chain. So there are many opportunities in terms of the, the 12J fund. It seems very, very reasonable when we begin to analyze or look at the opportunities in business, in efficiency, the business case of sustainability. And I'm pretty sure that if we can speak this language on an ongoing basis, that suddenly sustainability won't just be this vogue topic or this topic that is spoken about in conferences, but rather something on the lips of organizations and CEOs the country over, certainly the world over. Absolutely. Something, Gareth, that we find quite useful is really looking at the analogy around other concepts mm. that are similar to sustainability but have been around for much longer. Yes. So two of those examples so pr- pr- are… A proof of sorts. So, right? so, so it's like a proof but also how do you internalize this new thinking with leaders to really bring it into their strategy, bring it into their culture, bring it into their businesses. So very good examples here would be the safety culture. Ten years ago, safety wasn't everything and safety wasn't first. But mm. nowadays, before you do anything, you need to have a safety consideration. Sure. So again, safety needs to be built into you know, organizational culture. It needs to be designed through HAZOP into every project. And we believe that sustainability is exactly the same thing. From an innovation perspective, also there were many lessons learned through deploying cultures of innovation and running innovation culture transformation programs, mm-hmm. which are very similar to transforming cultures for sustainable business performance. Are you suggesting perhaps that there needs to be some kind of chief sustainability officer in a business? Absolutely. That kind of portfolio created? Uh, I think it is a portfolio that will assist the adoption of the sustainability thinking into the organization. It's normally something that is closely coupled with strategy, mm. and also that uh, that strategy there needs to be operationalized. So it, it might be part of a portfolio, it might be a unique portfolio in, in the beginning of bringing sustainability into your organization. But it's certainly not a check function. It's not a safety, health, and environmental compliance function. Mm. This is a senior leadership role driving sustainable business performance, and it needs to be driven at an executive level. Well, look, you just need someone in your ear when you are designing a new plant saying, hey, but what about this? You didn't spend 400 hours traveling around the world looking for new technology, but guess what I did? And I found this. Let's use this rather. It's more efficient. It costs a little bit more, but of course, in the long run or medium term, we're going to see serious benefits. Absolutely. And here's why. Gareth, that's a very good example. We often find that clients are not not open to suggestions from their suppliers. Mm -hmm. Let's take the engineering firms, the example that you just mentioned, are are building new projects and new plants on a global scale every day. If they get a brief saying bring same old proven technology, they need to respond in that box to that brief. Mm. If the new brief is saying we would like to have, let's say, an energy efficient plant running on renewable energy. Mm. We would like to have a plant that is not using any potable water. Mm. Uh, We would like to have a zero waste strategy implemented in our organization. If that's the brief to the engineering teams, they would respond very differently in the engineering design. Mm. And then to your point, the technology is available to actually meet that demand. So I think that we've reframed this in a language that many more people are actually going to want to hear. This has been a great conversation. Let's round it off now with a couple of examples that are doing exactly this. They're becoming more efficient. They're doing better business. They're doing good business as a result of sustainability and their efforts in this area. 
Absolutely. If our listeners are going on to, for example, the Sustainable Brands Network, we can see which brands are associating to sustainability. And, and those are big brands that we're all familiar with, the 3Ms and the Coca-Colas and mm. the Unilevers. So a recent example is certainly Unilever driving sustainability as part of their whole supply chain strategy. Mm. I know that Unilever might sometimes be criticized for this very big organization that is very diverse and, and, and certainly implementing sustainability across a business of, of this maturity is, is not easy. Sure. But coming from a senior leader, um, you know, Paul Pullman have certainly put a statement out in 2010 saying they would like to double their turnover but certainly involve the environmental footprint. Mm. And they go further to say that they would want to really make a difference in terms of community, skilling, and, and, and so on. But are so they, are they doing good, it? They are achieving much of it. Because a lot of people can talk a good game, but are they actually doing it? Yes. So what we're finding, and I mean, you said it earlier, senior leaders do really want to do the right thing. They mm. are conscious leaders most of the time. Yes, they are under pressure in terms of financial um, cost and performance, and yes, things need to make sense. But if you consider doubling your turnover by halving your environmental footprint, if that's the challenge that you've put out to your leadership team, that's mm. the challenge that you're putting out to your suppliers, this sort of statement is driving innovation. And for me, it's a very good example of what many other organizations are, are certainly doing. I believe that Exaro Resources is a very good example of an organization that is really applying innovation for growth, mm. differentiation, but also for sustainable development. And they're doing it quite effectively by diversifying their business from a traditional coal mining organization moving into renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think another a very good example is actually Coca-Cola. So if you consider just the recycling elements of that business and the impact that that is having with regards to community upliftment and transformation, I think it's another very good uh, case study. Sure. And again, these businesses are finding the business case um, in terms of differentiation and meeting the future market demand for sustainability, transparency uh, in what they're doing. Well, Raldo, it's been a fantastic conversation. And I think that's the right way to end off the conversation with reference to some really big brands doing it. Of course, people would argue and say, well, these big brands have the budgets, but actually they are just like any other business trying to deliver value to shareholders, maximize their profits. They're doing it in a seemingly sustainable manner. Raldi, thank you very much for being part of this conversation. It's been fantastic. Thank you for your insights and your guidance. Gareth, thanks for having me. Do you have a question for our Henley Business Radio Ask an Expert feature? Submit it via our website in the comments boxes on campus or use the hashtag AskAnExpert on your favorite social media platform.